Welcome to this episode of the Atlanta Career Journey Podcast. Today's guest is Scott Margulis, who is a retired Navy veteran and has been one of my longest friends that I've had, honestly. Um, We first met back in the late 70s when my family moved next door to his, and uh, we started middle school together. And although I was only there for a couple years, we've stayed in touch over the the 40-plus years since then. So um, he and I started in college in Navy ROTC at different universities, and he managed to stick it out. So I'm curious to hear how his experience was in the military and what he's been up to lately. So Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Paul, for uh, for having me. Man, it's uh, it's it's truly an honor to uh, that you thought about me and and asked me to to join your podcast. Yeah, I think you've got a really good story for the listeners, and um, you know, definitely want to dig into you know some of the things that you were thinking going through school. But let's start at the beginning. So I know where you your background is, but uh, tell the listeners like where'd you grow up? So uh, so as you kind of mentioned uh, just uh, a few seconds ago. Uh, I grew up in South Florida and uh, pretty much grew, was there the, uh, my entire life up until college. And uh, that's, uh, that's about it. In South Florida meaning plantation, which at the time was almost country. And now it's, uh, what is it, the, uh, the Florida Panthers, the, the uh, hockey team? Like they actually play far, far west of where we were. And I thought we were pretty far west. So pretty amazing the growth that's happened in that, that area. So um, going into uh, high school, tell me a little bit about, you know, were there subjects that you liked, that you were good at? Um, what, was, what were your uh, kind of memories of high school from an academic perspective? Yeah, so I always enjoyed uh, math and science. Uh, <clears throat> you know, initially I, I thought I was going to go into medicine, uh, but then in high school um, I took a, a class in, uh, in computer science and uh, computer programming, and uh, quite fell in love with it, and uh, decided to kind of pursue that that career uh, uh, through college uh, and into the uh, navy eventually. So, uh, so yeah. So and and uh, also when I was uh, when I was a little bit younger in uh, in elementary school and middle school, um, uh, one of my friends, uh, Dave Tobin, and I. Um, got quite fascinated with uh, with aviation uh, and and we used to go over to the uh, Fort Lauderdale airport and watch the airplanes land and and so uh, yeah so I was kind of uh, thinking about going into the airlines which is uh, what what got me into the to the Navy and, and taking a scholarship and and then joining the Navy that's right I can remember we were you could you could sit in our driveways and see the planes either coming in on approach if they were going eastbound or sometimes see them taken off, which is rare because you take it over the ocean. But yeah, I do remember that. We had a couple of folks in the neighborhood, I think, whose parents were pilots or worked for the airlines to some degree. So I think I, I definitely shared a passion with you about the airline industry and aviation in general, although my eyesight was never going to let me fly uh, for uh, either the military or the airlines back in the day. But uh, that's great. So you um, did you have a high school teacher that helped to inspire you in this computer science interest, or was it purely just on your own with some friends? Hey, let's see what we can do, take this apart or code it or whatever. Uh, no. So, so there was one, only one teacher in our high school that, that taught computers. And, uh, I, you know, I, I took his class. Uh, we actually <clears throat> started off, uh, uh, typing on uh, a Burroughs uh, punch card reader. 
that that was kind of the introduction to computers. Of course, uh, uh, back then, a lot of the, the school systems worked off of punch cards, and they were just starting to get uh, off of the mainframes and into uh, PCs. And uh, and uh, the the first uh, programming that I I did was actually some doing some basic programming on a uh, on an Apple IIe uh, computer. So uh, yeah, back in the day. So and then uh, as far as aviation was concerned, uh, there was a, a a teacher in high school who was a retired Navy commander, and uh, uh, he was uh, an old aviator in the Navy and. And uh, he made physics uh, fun uh, mm. by uh, regaling about his times on the aircraft carriers and, and, and his, uh, his experiences uh, uh, in naval aviation. My dad was also Navy, uh, and so I kind of wanted to kind of follow in his career path. So by the time you were graduating high school, you had a pretty good indication that military was probably going to be in your future? Yeah, so like I said, uh, I was kind of interested in flying airplanes, and I and at the time I thought that's uh, what I wanted to do uh, as a career. And my dad kind of um, you know mentioned that uh, one of the best ways to get into aviation uh, from that standpoint would be to join one of the military services. So I, I did apply for scholarships and all of the uh, all of the um, DoD and attempted to uh, go down that career path uh, from the military standpoint. Gotcha. So Navy RTC scholarships that were brought you to University of Florida. Did you look at other schools or what was it that was compelling about the University of Florida? So, yeah, I was interested in making sure that I did have a backup plan, a good degree. And I, I was interested in computer science. Initially, I, I got a four year scholarship with the Air Force and only three year scholarship with the Navy. And uh, and I asked the services, uh, each one of them, the Air Force and the Navy, what kind of degree I could get with that scholarship and um, where I could go to school and uh, what I could do after I uh, got my commission. Uh, and the Air Force uh, kind of limited me. They wanted me to, to be a, a math major. And, and while I enjoyed math, I really wanted to do computer science. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the AB actually allowed me to pick whatever degree I wanted to to pick as long as it was in a a engineering discipline. And uh, the computer science degree at Florida gave you three options: either either business, um, liberal arts, or engineering and I chose engineering so so the Navy checked that block for me and then and then as far as what I could do after uh, I got a commission uh, Air Force pretty much said that if we're going to give you a scholarship and pay for you to go to school then you're going to be a missileer and and you're going to sit in silos and 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 uh, and work missiles and I I wanted to fly the Navy said if you graduate and get commissioned uh, it's all based on how well you do in school to which uh, selections you get to uh, choose. And, and they said that, that aviation would be one of those selections. So I went with a three-year option instead of the four-year degree. And by the time I uh, entered college uh, on day one, they actually had enough people cancel out on, on that um, their scholarship such that I, I got a four-year uh, ride with the, <laughs> at University of Florida. That worked out pretty good, man. Sometimes timing's everything, yeah. right? Absolutely. That's cool. I know that, um, you know, I only spent a year in Navy ROTC and I know at the end of each uh, college year, you want to go on what they call a cruise, which is uh, kind of a, 
an introduction to different areas of the military and kind of gives you some exposure to what military life is like. And uh, so I don't know if um, I'm sure it was the same way where you were. Can you talk a little bit about um, your experiences in Navy ROTC in college? Yeah, so um, I really enjoyed being in the ROTC unit. Uh, it gave you camaraderie. It kind of gave you the experience of being in the military and yet not being in the military. And it also gave you the experience of being in college and not being in the military. So, so a lot, some of my friends that uh, I grew up with chose to go to the Naval Academy um, and they were immersed in military full-time from day one of their college. And I got the benefit of, of having a military experience as well as having a college experience. And, and so, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed uh, the camaraderie uh, that, that I grew uh, through the ROTC program. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, it gave us the ability to go and do some active duty uh, time, if you will, uh, one month every summer. And we got to uh, experience each year a, a little different part of the Navy. Uh, the, the first year, uh, you're, you're immersed as a uh, enlisted uh, person. And so you eat and sleep and work with someone in the enlisted community. It gives you kind of an appreciation of what experiences the enlisted uh, troops have. Very interesting and I believe helped me quite a bit throughout my career to be able to make sure that I empathized uh, with the um, challenges that those um, very patriotic individuals go through. Mm-hmm. And That's then, a really good uh, point. The, I was yeah. sorry, man. It's actually a really good point because when you do get commissioned as an ensign, you're 22, 23 years old, maybe, and you're mm-hmm. put into a situation where you're you're managing people that may have been doing their job for 10 or 20 years, and that's you know, it, with you don't really have that perspective or certainly a way to bridge that not only the age gap but the experience and just that um, that level between enlisted and officer. It can be a real struggle for some people. So that's good to get that experience. And I, I I had an experience with one one enlisted guy. Uh, he he challenged me uh, uh, during my my uh, junior cruise, where where he said, you know, you'll as soon as you get your commission, you'll totally forget about us and the enlisted force and and what we go through. Uh, you'll ignore us. You won't you won't uh, you won't remember what it's like to be enlisted. And, and that was kind of a challenge to me. I, I, I told the individual that, that I would always keep uh, what they're going through in mind. And uh, I, I'd like to think that that's what I, I did. I, I tried to remember that, that uh, they have a little bit harder time sometimes in the military than, than the officer corps. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and they have their different challenges um, and we're all equal and they all have uh, um uh, good inputs into uh, what uh, what they experience in their career and and how they help us do our job. It's a team effort, and mm-hmm. uh, and it takes takes everybody on the team to get things done. Yeah, you think about a sports analogy, right? Now everyone's a quarterback or a running back or a high profile skill position, but you still got to put eleven people on the field: offense, defense, and special teams. And it is a team, and you have to win and lose together as a team. So. No different in, in work life or in military. So, and, and just the fact that you remember that conversation so many years later, I'm sure you took it to heart as you went through your career. 
Was there, um, <clears throat> so you, you majored in computer science. Was there, uh, what was your expectations getting into school? Um, or did the expectations meet what you actually got to experience as a computer science major in college? So I, I'm really glad I went to, uh, to University of Florida. I did look at a lot of other colleges. And uh, to me, Florida had one of the best computer science uh, programs. I didn't, I, I picked the school be somewhat because it was close to home and because they had such a strong uh, computer science uh, department. Um, but but uh, truly, if I looked across the United States, they were they were at one of the precipices of uh, of computer science, and and so <clears throat> it really did uh, challenge me. Um, I had some great professors. Uh, I I'd had some great classes. I I really enjoyed um, uh, uh, learning computer science from at the University of Florida, and uh, and my uh, my capstone class. Um, uh, was was an extremely uh, interesting interesting class where where uh, I, I I picked a project uh, that at the time I didn't understand exactly what I was doing and and by the time I finished the class um, I had actually uh, designed something that that uh, didn't take uh, come into effect in. Uh, in industry until a couple of years later. And, and that is I, I took two different local area networks and put a computer in between the two networks. And then I had to figure out a way of taking all of the uh, data coming off of one network, uh, um, bringing it into the computer, um, looking at the, uh, the, the, the payload of those, those data packages, and then uh, changing the header on the uh, the data stream uh, so that it could operate on a different protocol uh, on another network. Uh, so so at the time I didn't realize that I'd kind of uh, been creating a, a bridge, a computer bridge, and uh, it turns out that uh, a couple years later, industry came out with uh, with that uh, capability, that technology. Yeah, that's that's actually pretty impressive, man. Because then this you were talking in the mid '80s, and you know there wasn't certainly the plethora of of networking. I mean, token ring didn't come out until the early '90s, and I know Ethernet had its stages too, but there was no internet that was public access anyway. And so there was kind of in the early days of that. That's pretty amazing. Tell the listeners what Capstone is. That's a senior design class, right? Yeah. So uh, I was. Um, on the honors track, and so so it was a capstone class that I that I took, and uh, I had a a, a graduate student, and uh, one of the professors is a mentor, and uh, we kind of looked to, across all of the um, projects that those folks were working on, and then I took a small piece of that project and and uh, and worked out the uh, the software uh, behind it, and then wrote up a paper. Uh, uh, to to finish off that class. So, in the, back in that day, did they did they tie in um, actual companies to work with you on a on a problem or a situation? I know currently because my kids are just <clears throat> two of them just graduated, and I know yours are same age. They they actually will tie in usually with a, like a smaller company that will kind of look at college students as um, cheap labor. And, you know, really smart right. people and the opportunity to have them focus. They're not dealing with other distractions within the company so they can focus on one problem and deep dive into that. So was there anything uh, available at that time? 
looking back, um, I think that because my summers were taken up mostly by the military, I really didn't have the opportunity to, to, to work with smaller companies. Um, I will say though, that, that, uh, the, um, the grad student that I was working with, uh, uh, as you kind of mentioned, there really wasn't the internet back then. Um, but, but he did have an account on ARPANET, <clears throat> which yep. was available back then. That was and the internet so at the we, time. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so we used to get on, uh, ARPANET, uh, with other colleges that were, were working on, uh, on that. And, uh, and then we, um, also I had a, a mentor, uh, a, a father of a friend of, that used to live in the neighborhood. Uh, and he was in the uh, information technology field. Uh, so he got me, um, some information from his company, uh, that, uh, that helped me, um, complete my project. Gotcha. So you mentioned, you know, your summers were tied up with, um, Navy obligations. Do you feel like the experiences that you took from those summer cruises helped you, um, with some of the classes or your experience or, um, you know, we all sort of go through a maturity, you know, improvements over 18 to 22. Did you feel like those experiences changed you or, or benefited you in some way? So the, uh, Great question. So the experiences that I gained out of the Navy kind of helped shape me in my career more so than in my, uh, my college. Um, they gave me an understanding of what uh, available jobs uh, and career paths were out in, there in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also gave me a, a, an ability or a chance to uh, experience uh, different leadership techniques, um, and, uh, how, uh, the various officers that I interacted with and the enlisted that I interacted with, uh, how they handled different situations. And so, uh, kind of shaped me in, in that way. Gotcha. And then kind of inspired me to, that, uh, you know, I ended up, uh, uh, serving for, for 27 years. So, so it, uh, it, it did something right. Inspired me to stay there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So uh, you're your senior coming upon graduation. What's uh, what's the process for how the Navy you know sets you up for your next step? You know, I know that for a lot of folks that aren't part of this ROTC program, you know, and they're just going through. Okay, I've interned with a company, or I've interviewed, and you know, trying to get you know, my job lined up in July after I graduate. What's that look like coming out of college with a ROTC scholarship? So um, right before the, the, the um, fall, before you graduate, uh, you go through a, uh, a process of, uh, of prioritizing what things that you would like to do in the Navy. Uh, what career fields uh, you would like to go into. And uh, you, you provide that prioritized list to the uh, ROTC officer staff. And then based off of uh, how well you've done in college, uh, how well you've done in the ROTC unit, uh, they provide you with what your, uh, what your career path will be. 
And so at that point in time, that's, that's the career field that you're, you're going to enter in. Uh, and, uh, uh, then you get your commission and then you get orders, uh, to that, that career field. So. Gotcha. And it's probably some sort of schooling to start with. So I, 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 uh, I went into the aviation career path. I got my first choice. I, I worked real hard in, in college. I, I, uh, I did well on my grades and therefore I, I was uh, fortunate enough to, to get the career field that I had picked as my first choice. Uh, and, uh, I got orders, uh, about two weeks after, uh, I graduated, I was in Pensacola, uh, starting through, uh, aviation indoctrination. So, so then my, that's where my, uh, aviation career path started. And, uh, uh, yeah, so for the first two weeks that, uh, after graduation, I was able to, um, hang out, uh, at my, uh, uh, at my university for another couple of weeks, uh, with a Navy commission and a paycheck and mm-hmm. then started my, my checkout process, uh, and, uh, my, uh, uh, move over to Pensacola. So. Gotcha. Well, I know it's gonna be, um, hard to cover 27 years of experience, but, um, what were some memories of when you first started, you know, everyone sort of has this, uh, realization once you leave school that, you know, the paycheck's good, but now all of a sudden you're working every day and you may not have homework, but you don't have summers off or you don't have long breaks or whatever. So what, uh, what did your, what did your work and work life balance, um, look like when you first started? Well, flight school, uh, it kind of ebbs and flows with, uh, you know, you have periods, uh, where you're extremely busy and then sometimes you're, you're kind of, waiting to enter the next phase of flight training. So uh, when I first got to, uh, uh, to Pensacola, um, I was immersed in uh, introduction uh, flight classes, uh, which lasted uh, a couple months. Uh, during that period, it was almost like being back in college. Uh, I was uh, 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 taking uh, aerodynamic classes, I was taking engine classes. Uh, I was um, learning about uh, uh, the aviation career front and back and the Navy at the same time. Uh, so, <clears throat> yeah, that was uh, uh, intense. Uh, and and uh, it was like uh, taking uh, uh, college classes, uh, a full load of college classes at one time. Mm. But then uh, there's a break in between uh, the introduction classes and when you start uh, flight school. And so uh, those tended, uh, uh, they had to line up, right? So, so um, they weren't, the Navy uh, had um, uh, classes that started at certain points in time be- and, and it allowed for uh, uh, different uh, classes to combine together in different areas. And, and so I got a little bit of a break between the introduction and when I started my uh, initial flight training and, uh, and then uh, you get through, that's the basic uh, flight training. And then there's a break uh, with uh, then an intermediate flight training, which uh, uh, kind of uh, introduce you, uh, introduces you to, to a, a different flight regime, a different fl- uh, aircraft platform. Uh, and then they put you into advanced flight training. So, so there was little breaks in between where you could could uh, deflate a little bit, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and depending on um, how the weather was and how the scheduling worked out, uh, you could uh, either be going through the flight school uh, quickly or uh, sometimes it, it gets a little bit protracted. So, so uh, luckily my timing was such that, that most of my flights occurred uh, in the fall and spring. Um, I got through flight training in about uh, a couple years. And uh, sometimes it takes a, a, a year and a half to two years. Sometimes it can take people two and a half to three years, depending on how the weather holds up and and uh, and and, the, and your timing going through these classes. Gotcha. And so is it probably like hours hours in flight along with the other classes that you mentioned around you know engines and just learning about aerodynamics? Did you do you, um, do you learn on different aircraft? Uh, so the, the training pipeline has specific aircraft that you, you learn on and depending on how well you do, uh, they grade you, uh, either, uh, below average, average or above average. And, uh, depending on, uh, they take those, uh, each time you go, uh, flying, uh, they, they grade you, uh, on that and, 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 uh, in various areas of the flight training. Um, so you can, uh, come out of a, a flight uh, uh, with uh, one above, two above, three below, two, two, uh, two above, three above. So, and then they average out <clears throat> all the above and below averages, and uh, they rank you uh, across your, your classmates. And depending on how well you do, uh, that's how they pick which uh, uh, aviation pipeline you're going to end up going on, whether it's uh, helicopters, fixed-wing jets, um, that, that's how they do that. Gotcha. Did you have any flight experience? I mean, like actually, uh, mm-hmm. time in the air before you graduated college? I, I did not. And, um, in some ways it was, um, uh, good that I didn't. And in a lot of ways, I, I wish that I had, uh, uh gotten more aviation experience. Yeah. Cause uh, I was wondering, was good. It, no, go ahead. I was going to say it's, it, it was, it was good because I didn't come, I didn't have any, predisposition, bad habits. It was, it was bad because I didn't have, uh, any, uh, initial air sense. And, and, uh, yeah, so it would have been better to have a little bit of understanding of, uh, how challenging, uh, it is in, in the aviation, uh, arena uh, yeah, ahead of time. It's, yeah. I was going to say that if, um, you know, if you had some of your peers that had been, I think you can get a pilot's license at like 14 or 15 or something. Right. So if, if some people had, you know, five years of flying in a private plane, did that give them a jump ahead of others or because the planes and, you know, no one's, no one's flying a helicopter at 15, but um, if, you know, it was kind of marginal just because the planes are very different in the Navy versus a Cessna 172, you can rent it, Peachtree to Cab or something, right? And so, so uh, it, it does give uh, the individuals a little bit of a step up. I, I did have several friends that, that had uh, several hundred hours of flight time prior to going to into into aviation uh, school, uh, naval aviation school, and they had uh, they they did a, a lot better up front. Uh, but at at uh, about the uh, intermediate phase, uh, you actually almost kind of balance out with those folks that don't have any experience, gotcha. but it, but it does, it does give you a, a initial leg up. And, and so, yeah, uh, cause you get an experience of uh, talking on the radios, you get an experience of what it's like operating around an airport. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the problem is, the problem is is in the commercial airlines you apply a rectangular pattern uh, coming into uh, the airport uh, in the military you fly uh, a racetrack pattern so it's a mm-hmm. little bit different technique and uh, sometimes people that start off uh, flying commercial um, uh, planes uh, form bad habits if you will and then so that can that can translate over. Some people can adjust easily. Others um, uh, keep those bad habits uh, going forward. So that memory muscle is uh, hard to switch if you've already practiced it a lot. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, cool. So you wind up um, going into the aviation career path. Uh, what's your next? How long were you in Pensacola? So I was uh, in Pensacola for about two years, two and a half years. Okay. Uh, and- at- and and then went to my first squadron after that. And and what's the next step there? So uh, they have uh, what they call a reserve air group uh, that teaches the uh, individuals that uh, type model series aircraft. Uh, I I happen to go into the S three B Viking, which is a four seat uh, uh, carrier based aircraft. And so, uh, so that, that school teaches you that, that uh, aircraft model and, uh, and it starts teaching you uh, the tactical uh, procedures that you'll go through uh, in order to deploy that weapon system. Gotcha. So did you, um, did you continue your aviation career through the military or were there, there certain points where you had to shift where you were going? So the, the, the first uh, 11 years of my career <clears throat> was in aviation uh, with uh, one form or another, uh, flight school and the reserve air group, my first squadron. And then I went to the, uh, the air wing uh, that, that, uh, that was on the East Coast uh, for the S3s. Uh, and then, then I, I had a, a, a short little... Um, uh, set of orders over to a uh to an admiral staff where where i i worked in the aviation shop and uh and helped kind of um uh lead the uh the air wing uh in flight uh scheduling and uh training and preparation for deployment and and deployment um after that i was uh, thinking about getting out of the military um i i was uh interested in getting back into computer science at that point in time. Uh, we had um, gone through, unfortunately, 9-11. Um, the uh, uh, aviation wasn't what I uh, thought I, uh, I wanted to do. I, didn't, I decided I, I didn't want to pursue uh, flying airplanes commercially. And so I was thinking about going back into uh, my career computer field. And uh, I had a buddy of mine said, uh, why don't you uh, Why don't you pick up uh, the, a book called uh, "What Colors Your Parachute"? And and so I I did and and I read through it and and kind of realized that uh, you know I'd spent quite a few years in the military and uh, and if I could just uh, stay in in the military and pursue my computer science uh, desires that that I could get a job doing that and uh, and retain all the, the seniority that I had uh, built up in, in the military. So that's, that's what I did. I, I, uh, I requested a transfer from uh, aviation over to the 
the computer side of the Navy and uh, was accepted, and, and I, I shifted to, to a different career field. And did that, um, that's, that's a huge shift, right? I know that for, for doing something that you have dreamed about for a long time with flying, um, to sort of switch gears a little bit um, and do something completely different um, is probably, probably wasn't an easy decision, but sounds like it's pretty introspective. And I have a copy of that book still uh, that you reference what colors your parachute. <laughs> it's it's eye opening because you have to sort of figure out, you know, when you get into a mid-career situation, you know, things change. Sometimes you have a family and, or if you're traveling or you're having to relocate, there's all these factors that you have to kind of weigh into to figure out, is this really what I need to be doing the rest of my life? So did you, um, when you, when you stepped away from the aviation track and you went back into computers, did you have to relocate again or what did that look like from, uh, from picking up and moving? So I, I, I talked with, um, the career counselors in that career field and, and, uh, I, I asked them what were the career path options for me. And, uh, and they gave me a, a couple different options, uh, the thing that enticed me about going through that career path and staying in the military is they offered to uh, send me over to Monterey, California to the Naval Postgraduate School. Uh, so I got my, uh, my second master's over there. Uh, it allowed me to, to be on shore duty for uh, almost three years as I pursued my master's uh, in, in uh, computer science, but it also brought me... Um, uh, into the Navy's um, space core uh, because they the degree itself uh, had a had a, um, a, a focus in uh, satellites and satellite building satellites so satellite engineering and uh, that, that kind of interested me and, and kept me uh, staying uh, in the Navy career field and uh, pursuing that area. So there's, there's plenty of opportunity to grow yourself professionally uh, in the military. I think it's a pretty valuable lesson for those that are trying to figure out if that's the right path or not. Because I know there's, um, you know, you think about Navy, it's on a ship, you know, Air Force is in a plane, but there's so much more behind the scenes and all the support as well as just the technology that goes into making this giant infrastructure work and communication is a key part of that. Um, so you, I remember you were in, you in Monterey and there's, you know, there's worse places to live for sure. So, uh, especially a little, <laughs> little different from South Florida, the, uh, terrain's a little different. Um, but at some point you wind up in, in Virginia, which is, uh, you know, I guess, you know, where a lot of the, the military bases as well. Was it, was it hard to shift coasts again? Uh, actually it was, uh, it was, a easy transition. Um, but, uh, as I learned, uh, early on in my career, um, if you want to make a, uh, a profession out of the, the Navy, at least, I'm not sure about the other services, but the Navy, uh, everyone should, uh, probably do at least one, um, one tour with, uh, with the Navy's, um, uh, staff. Uh, in the Pentagon, and so uh, that that kind of is uh, what brought me back over to to Washington D.C. area mm -hmm. uh, was uh, was uh, was that that second the block that I needed to help uh, my career out. Gotcha. So that's um, you get I'm, like I said, I'm not going to drill into a lot of the military pieces, but you know when you get to 27 years, 
Um, what are you thinking? Do most people start to retire at that point? Um, is there an age ceiling that you get to, or what was uh, what was what were your thoughts at that point? So, um, kind of go back to when I was a, a junior officer. I I, I wanted I, at that point in time I was thinking about a career in the, in the Navy, but um, I wasn't quite sure how I was going to get to where I wanted to go. And so um, I, I often asked uh, some of my mentors, my the senior officers that I worked for, I would, I, I would ask them, uh, what, is the, what is the career path to get to, uh, to a Navy captain, a Navy admiral? H- how would I get there? And uh, um, they would often tell me, uh, this is the path that you have to take. And one of the officers, I asked them, like, um, what percentage of the, the, the Navy folks that make uh, captain or admiral, what percentage actually take that career path? And, and, and one of the guys said, probably about 10 to 15%. And I said, well, if that's a standard path, then why isn't it a higher percentage? And he said, I don't know, but that seems to be the standard career path. So I guess what I learned from that was there really is no standard way to getting to where you want to go. But if you follow your heart, if you, if you're passionate about the jobs that you take, uh, then it will show in the type of work that you produce. And if you, um, if you do the jobs that you want to do, uh, then you'll, you'll always have fun and then it won't be work. It'll be fun. Mm -hmm. So I, I took, uh, I took a lot of orders, a lot of jobs in the Navy that I wanted to do. I was fortunate enough to get, uh, when you come up for orders, you talk to the uh, community managers and they ask you what you want to do. They give you, they offer you jobs. Uh, I've always uh, managed to get uh, my first or second choice. And I always chose things that, that uh, piqued my curiosity and that interest me. And, and therefore, I had fun at every job that I did. And I guess that it showed, and I, I was lucky enough to have good people around me. And I was uh, fortunate enough to have um, folks that helped my career um, progress. And, and so um, 27 years went by really, really quickly. Um, and um, I will say, though, that, that um, I did... Um, initially as a young individual, um, look at where, uh, t- types of jobs I wanted to do when I got to being in the Navy, uh, for 20 plus years. And I took jobs that were fun, but also that would help me progress to those positions. So it was important to look ahead and then set small goals out uh, in front of me. That's great advice. Did you, um, so you mentioned there were, um, I can't remember what you call them, recruiters or in, got it like, like counselors. So there were kind of um, career mentors, if you will, that you could talk to and figure out uh, what does my next step look like? What are my options? Here's kind of what I'm interested in. What do you have for me? Is that, is that, um, am I explaining that correctly? Yeah. So, so the Navy um, uh, has uh, what they, they call detailers. Um, they're they're uh, managers of uh, people's career paths, and they're also looking at uh, what the, the needs of the Navy are, areas that they have um, uh, gaps or, or uh, uh, 
um, upcoming jobs that will be um, vacated. Uh, and so they need to ensure that they provide a, a quality spread of individuals uh, into each one of the organizations so, so that they have um, folks that can help continue moving uh, the, the needs of the Navy and, and the military forward. So, um, yeah, the, the detailers. And, and they, they talk to you about your uh, career aspirations, where you want to go, um, timing of uh, uh, shore and sea rotations. And um, and then how that how your individual jobs will help you uh, make you more competitive for promotions. Gotcha. What would you say? Um, you know, the twenty seven years you were in, obviously you gained a lot of leadership lessons. But what were some of the big things that stand out to you from your experiences that have helped you in the private sector now? So. Um, I learned early on uh, in my career that, that uh, you know, I, I was an engineer uh, initially, um, and, and my goals and aspirations was to make myself a, a well-rounded individual. So um, about midway through my career, um, I did get a master's degree in business. Um, I wanted to provide myself with as many options in life uh, that I could possibly have, uh, not knowing uh, if, uh, you know, if, perchance that my career got derailed a little bit. I wanted to give myself as much options as possible. Um, and uh, I, so when I took those business classes, I, I, one of the classes I took was in, in sales. And um, I quickly learned that we all are, are salesmen, right? We all sell ourselves, uh, even in the Navy or out in corporate America. Mm -hmm. um, we're all salesmen. Um, even though our job might not have sales in the title, uh, anytime you're trying to, to uh, get a promotion, you're selling yourself. Anytime you're talking to a customer on, uh, on your product and why they should use it, you're selling yourself or you're selling your company. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I, I, I learned that on early and um, I, I'm glad that I, I did pursue that, that business degree and, and I was taught about sales um, because as an engineer, uh, initially, I was more focused on uh, the science and math behind uh, the uh, computers, uh, behind aviation, uh, and, um, and as, a, as a business person, I learned more about the, the marketing, the sales uh, of, of that side of the house. So, so um, as I progressed through my, my military career, um, different experiences with different people, uh, the ability to, to travel uh, to different parts of the world and see how different people live in different parts of the world, um, all of that uh, helped shape me to, to where I am today. So it was, uh, it was fun. I took uh, jobs that were... Uh, that interest me and I had fun at. They also took jobs that allowed me to travel uh, and jobs that challenged me. And I, and I worked with a, a lot of high quality, great people um, that helped shape me to where I am today. That's awesome. What, um, what advice would you give to somebody coming out of high school that's maybe thinking about a career in the military? What would you tell that person? So um, early on, uh, as uh, 
a, a young kid, I, I was very active in a lot of sports. Um, I went into the Boy Scouts. I got uh, my Eagle Scout. Um, I, I, I had uh, jobs uh, where I, I learned how to um, work with people and, and, and how to earn money. I think that uh, for um, military scholarships, um, they look for very well-rounded individuals. Um, I was also active in, uh, in, in high school. Uh, I, I, I did politics in high school. Um, I participated in high school plays. I participated in clubs. Um, I played sports. So um, they're looking for very well-rounded individuals that are willing to take on a challenge and that can um, uh, set goals for themselves and achieve their goals. Uh, so, so I recommend uh, folks to, to, to look at not being one-dimensional but being very well-rounded. Uh, grades are important. That certainly helped me with my scholarship. But having that, uh, the extra things, being well-rounded is a very important thing. That's all great advice. Um, and I think, yeah, you, I would definitely agree. You were a high achiever. Um, you were involved in a lot of stuff and you <laughs> love it pretty well. So you left out band too, which is also where we got to know each other. So, um, <laughs> um, yeah, I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were all like trying to pretend we were playing drums or guitar, but yeah, the woodwinds had, they, they had their own rocking section. Uh, all right. So, uh, last question for you, man, if you could go back in time, what advice would you give yourself? And this could be from any, any high school or college or in your, your young career. So I think it's important to, uh, to, to uh, when we're young, we, we tend to focus on the next day. We don't necessarily look down the road so far. Um, I, I was fortunate enough, I believe, to, to get some uh, advice when I, when I was younger, and that was uh, build as many bridges as you can to your future. Look ahead, figure out how, where you want to go. Uh, and so if you know where you want to go, then you'll know the path that will get you there. And then start setting up short-term goals to, to get to where you want to achieve. Um, Make sure, though, that you do have alternate paths because uh, you can't control the future, so you never know what's going to come in front of you. So as long as you don't pigeonhole yourself into one stereotype, one area, one career field, but you give yourself lots of options ahead of you, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll be better off. Uh, like I said, I, I started off engineering, but then I went into, you know, took a, got a degree in, in, in business. Um, so that I had that, that engineering and business side, I could, I, I knew that at some point I could pivot to, to either, uh, either area. Um, also, uh, my father, when I, when I was getting ready to graduate, uh, college, he said, uh, start saving money so that you can retire comfortably. Uh, he, he didn't get that advice and didn't start saving towards retirement until he was much older. And, uh, if you know uh, anything about time value of money, the earlier you start putting money away, uh, the more money, that money will earn, uh, and it will make you, uh, uh, the, give you the ability to, 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 um, to retire at a younger age. Uh, the other thing I would say is, uh, learn to live with uh, less money than you're making. Don't overspend. 
Uh, I think when I got out of college, I got my first paycheck. You know, I thought about all the things I could buy. And, uh, and luckily, I didn't uh, go overboard for too long, uh, but I did uh, treat myself to a, a several different toys that I'd been looking forward to uh, with my first paycheck. Um, several people uh, at a young age uh, uh, live to the uh, edge of their paycheck, and they forget to pay themselves first. Mm-hmm. And so in order to be able to live comfortably at retirement, uh, you, you need to put money away at a younger time. So I would say start saving early, put 15, 20, 25% of your paycheck away, pay yourself first, and then buy uh, yourself your toys after that. And uh, you'll be able to set yourself up for um, life after the workforce. Yeah, saving early is key. I know I, I took a... Um I think it was an engineering economy class and we were they, they were talking about that time value of money and they put it in perspectives that I still remember and I'm just going to kind of round numbers but they said if you put you start today and you save $100 a month for 10 years and then you don't put any more money in and then you just have that you know that investment that's making you know whatever five ten percent off your investments if you start 10 years from now and you start putting $100 in you will never, that amount will never get to the point with that account that you had from that first 10 years and the time value of money with the interest. And it was like, oh, wow. So to your point, yeah, I, I got that same advice when I first started my job and put 10% in. And then, you know, when you didn't have any bills, you sort of didn't miss it. You just like, it went into a 401k or some other investment vehicle that you just didn't see it. And then you learn to live without it. And then you almost forget about it. And then you start checking your accounts every year and you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's if I had to save that money just on my own, I probably wouldn't have done it. There would have been, you know, a trip or a car or dining out or club scene or whatever it is that you're spending money on. And, uh, you know, it's that is really important because it's as you get older, you have your life gets more expensive and you have a family. It certainly gets more expensive and uh, it's hard to really make that time back up. Good advice, man. Well, um, I know there's, a, there's a, a lot that you've done since the military, but I don't want to touch on any of that. Some of it's pretty sensitive, but um, I think this focus on your military career, how you got started, what you were able to do in there, and some of the lessons learned has been really great for the listeners. So I'll leave you, know, you to kind of close out. Is there anything else you want to sort of bring up to the audience before we drop? I just want to thank you again for, for inviting me to your podcast. I think this is a outstanding platform for uh, young, uh, inspiring uh, corporate America folks to, to, to learn how to move forward in their career and, and what things they should uh, plan on. And, and uh, I'm, I'm honored to be a part of it. And, and, and thanks. Thanks again for inviting me. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for sharing your, uh, your experiences. And uh, we'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.